There's no escaping it. We are all going to go through transition points in life in this time of difficulty, in this time of challenge. The invitation here is to be very present with yourself on when you are processing what is happening in your internal environment and when you are dwelling. Welcome to the Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to the show, everybody. Today is a departure from our normal (laughs) format. Today, it's just me. It's a solo cast. It's been a long time since I've done one of these and there's been something that has been on my heart as of late and it's been a moment, a point of reflection for me and it is looking at the change process, looking at times of transition and how we can help ourselves navigate these points with greater flow, with greater ease. Oftentimes, times of transition can be so heavy and so challenging for us. And so what I wanted to do today was bring in my own authentic experience, as well as with the work that I'm doing in the world. And what are the five things that I've learned that have been absolutely instrumental in me in navigating times of transition, of challenge, and supporting others in their times of transition that have been absolutely valuable for me. So let's get right into it. And I hope you enjoy today episode. Man, we are nearly 30 episodes into the Path Podcast. And oh my gosh, so much life has happened since this podcast dropped. And for today's episode, what I wanted to speak on was something that I believe applies to every single person in this world. No matter who you are, we will all go through life transitions. We will all be navigating either with great ease and grace or sometimes with quite a bit of difficulty, the change process. And so no matter who you are, there are five areas or five things that have been incredibly useful and valuable to me as points of reflection or tools, tips, strategies that have aided me in navigating transition points in life. And so what I wanted to do is share these with you with the hope, with the goal, with the desire that it will support you in your life, whether it's something that you're going through right now that may be rocking you off your ass or something that you know, you may face in the future. And so whether you're going through something challenging, such as a divorce right now, whether you're having challenges with your kid, Uh, whether you may be leaving a job that doesn't feel like it's in alignment with your heart anymore, Uh, whatever it is, these five things I believe have served me so well. And so we're going to get right into it. And the first thing, first and foremost, in any life transition for me has to do with developing a deeper level of emotional intelligence. And I'm going to go into what that means to me. But one of the things that's been so evident to me since starting this podcast, actually since before, man, Right now, Luca is six weeks old, which is wild to think that I'm a papa now. (laughs) And Lauren and I, side note, Lauren and I will be definitely doing a podcast where we're going to drop into that, discuss our experience, and most likely through the lens of ceremony because her and I both have 
experience what we would consider ceremony. And that doesn't necessarily have to do with plant medicines, but just the ceremony of life. And so I'm really excited to drop in with her. But at a simple and basic note, I've become a dad. I've also started this podcast. There's been a massive transition for me out of the realm of primarily movement-based coaching, which is still something that I do, but into more heart-centered work, into more men's development. And so there are so many different facets that I've been going through in my life and the tools and resources that I've developed in the emotional intelligence realm have supported me and will support anybody. It's kind of the foundation. For me, it's like the foundational element that we can always rely on and anchor back to. And within that, there's three key areas. The first and foremost is developing a deeper level of vocabulary of our emotions. Can we actually develop with greater accuracy tuning into the emotions that are happening inside of our body, can we actually get very laser and surgical when you know we are feeling angry, when we're feeling sad, when we're feeling happy, when we're feeling fulfilled, when we're feeling confused? Can we actually make those connections and can we allow those to be emotions, but not necessarily be something that we are overly identified with? And what I mean by that is there is a difference between I am experiencing anger right now. So can we tune into that's actually what we're experiencing? And there's a difference between I am angry. The I am is the over-identification with the emotion. It's a nuance, but it's very different between experiencing an emotion that will come, go, emotions are energy in motion, and something that becomes us, something that is us. I am not all anger. That's just not who I am. But when we're in that state, sometimes, especially when we're triggered, we can be completely overly consumed with it and we can completely lose our sense of self in that completely merge with that emotion. So the first thing is to identify and develop at surgical level, what is the vocabulary of emotion in our body that we are experiencing and how can we further that? The second thing is how can we regulate times that we are in intense emotionality? One of the best tools that I can share right now, and this is something that is free, something that we can all do, is tuning in, tapping in to the power of our breath. And it's a very simple switch. It's the switch from mouth breathing to nasal breathing. It's a simple switch of elongating the exhales and being very mindful of where we are breathing. Are we breathing in through our chest or in through our belly? So nasal breathing, elongating the exhales, and deep belly breathing. If you do that, you will have so much more access to the accuracy of your emotions and approach whatever situation you're in, especially during life transitions, with so much more grounding, so much more down regulation, so much more opening. When we are breathing in a calm, relaxed manner, especially during times of stress, the aperture opens. Oftentimes, when we're in times of stress, our sympathetic nervous system ramps up, our aperture closes, and all of a sudden, it's like we're looking at a problem through a microscope. And we can't really see with situational awareness what's happening around us. So developing emotional regulation, especially during times of intense feeling. And the third is developing a greater resource, a greater well of empathy and compassion for self. We are all doing our best by and large, we are all doing our best moment to moment and everyone has different life circumstances, but it's one thing, even though we maybe don't have as much control of what happens outside of us in the world, and that can be pretty wild and sometimes hard to grapple with, we do absolutely have control and ownership of our internal environment. And if you're like me, having a harsh inner critic is something that I'm very familiar with. And in fact, 
one of the things that I've been present to is I know that I've got a lot of judgments of self and the more awareness that I've developed around it, it's been so present that, you know, I've been judging the judgments. So simply having judgments and then judging those judgments have just been, man, that inner critic is rough. And so the more empathy and compassion for just being fucking human and being here on this earth, which sometimes can come with a lot of responsibilities, heartaches, challenges, has allowed me to just breathe a little bit deeper, breathe a little bit softer, and just understand that I'm doing the very best I can. So the first thing in terms of navigating transition points or times of change, especially in challenge, has to do with connecting with our emotional self, our emotional bodies, and developing that emotional intelligence. The second thing that goes almost hand in hand with this is heightening our somatic awareness. Now, soma means simply of the body and more and more of the work that I've done in breath work, especially now leading uh, ceremonies of somatic release breath work. I've been so humbled, so humbled at getting to witness so many depths of the human experience that, oh man, just can quickly bring me to tears. And with that somatic awareness, it's really developing another term for it is interoception. That might be a word that you may have heard. And it's basically developing a more subtle awareness of what's happening underneath the skin. Can we actually be aware of uh, what emotions are coming up, the sensations in the body, especially, uh, for example, are we feeling when something comes up, uh, is there a density? to the emotion or what we're experiencing in the body? Does it feel heavy? Does it feel dense like a heavy ball? Does it feel light and airy? Where is that sensation focused in the body? Is it focused deep in our belly? Are we feeling constriction in the chest? Do we feel literally like someone is strangling us at the neck? Do we feel the sensation like, oh my God, I got a pounding headache. Where in the body are we noticing that? Does it have a color? Is it red, green, blue, blue, purple, orange? What is the color of it? Is there a tingling sensation? So utilizing our senses to tune into at a higher level and a more focused, nuanced level, what are the sensations happening in the body? Because the body is the manifestation of our subconscious. I had heard this before, but it was most maybe clearly shared in a way that really hit me by a uh, an embodiment expert, John Wineland. He deals with a lot of, of men's work, um, partnership work, intimacy work. But he really said it very succinctly that the body is the manifestation or the body is the re- representation of our subconscious mind. And the body reflects what is happening in our head, in our heart. And oftentimes we're just not sensitive to the fact that it's actually representing that. There's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score if you're interested. But essentially over time, our belief structures will actually be represented through the body. And so if you're experiencing emotional hurt or you feel like you're actually, your heart is wounded, the body will start protecting and morphing around it as opposed to opening up with an open chest, wide shoulders, feeling grounded, 
feeling that connection between body, heart, and mind. And so the greater that we can tune into the somatic awareness, the awareness that it is happening underneath the skin, which is actually the representation over time of, again, our belief structures, we can really start being more surgical and we can understand where in the body are we holding this? What, what tissues, what fascia is actually holding that? So then we can actually move into that and begin releasing that, begin releasing that. That is a skill. In my opinion, letting go and releasing is actually a skill that we can practice. And especially in times of transition, because during transition points, we are actually needing to, in some way, shape or form, let go and release a former identity so that we can create the space to move into something new, to move into something that we do want to create in our life. And so if we can have an understanding through sensitivity of how our body is holding on to the old identity. And we can use things like our voice. We can use things like our breath. We can use things like moving the body, shaking these releases, this letting go can happen in any way, shape or form. It can happen in laughing, crying. I mentioned shaking. There's so many different ways the body can express itself. And you may have heard me share this before, but if we do not have a safe space or the permission, if we do not give ourselves the permission to express ourselves and what's happening in the body, then over time we'll, we will repress what is happening, those emotions, and then we will depress. And over time, that will become our new reality. So the somatic awareness is key. And you can, at least in my experience, there is so much healing, so much growth, so much opening that can happen by opening up and increasing the sensitivity of our physical body, of our somatic body. This is a special shout out to the men out there or the ladies who have a special man in your life. If you've been listening to the Path Podcast, then I imagine at some point you've heard me discuss the Men of Movement Retreat that I run twice a year out in Mount Shasta. The next one is June 8th through the 11th. It is a sacred container where men can come together to witness other men in their healing and be witnessed in their own healing without judgment, without expectations, just showing up as you authentically are in this beautiful environment and container that is really focused around the intentional use of discomfort, of initiation, of tribe, and of brotherhood. Now, that being said, one of the things that I'm so excited to share with you is I've got two new events coming up, and this will be growing over time, but a small virtual event for four hours, co-led by Jator Pierre, who is a mental emotional expert. He was an earlier guest on the Path podcast. That episode was called Instinct versus Intuition. And our workshop will be happening April 1st. It's virtual. I will be guiding through a somatic breathwork experience. And Jator will be teaching on healing mother wounds, father wounds, child wounds. It's going to be a deep dive for four hours. And it's only 200 bucks. Also, on April 29th, I'm going to be co-creating with Ben White and Tyler LaFlock, two other guests on the Path Podcast, who do some incredible work. In We're going to be getting together at Stemple Creek Ranch in Tomales, California. That's April 29th. Ben will be leading a powerful embodiment practice through yoga, through creativity, through expression, with breath work, with so many powerful practices that you can use to free up energy in your body. 
Tyler will be teaching on story work and some more embodiment work. And then I'll be teaching on many things that is inclusive of somatic release breath work. Then of course, as I mentioned earlier, we have the fully immersive meta movement retreat happening June 8th through the 11th. As an added bonus, if you decide to attend the men of movement retreat, you can also attend either the virtual workshop or the one day live event with Ben White and Tyler LaFlock for free. The cost of those events, one of them of your choosing will be applied to the registration of your men of movement retreat. If any of these things feel like they call you, especially the virtual and the one day event, those are going to be low cost, approximately 200 ish bucks. So the idea is to open this work up to more men who need this support. If you're interested or you know someone who would be a good fit for this, please just go to my website, mikesalemi.io and the upper right corner, you'll hit a drop down and you'll be able to see these next three events coming up. Now let's get back to the show. The third thing I want to discuss is a very practical tool. This is probably the, the most practical thing that has supported me over the years, and that is tapping into the power of ritual. Now, at least the way I see it, there is a difference between ritual and routine. Now, routine, I'm sure we're all familiar with that. A routine is something that we do regularly, something that we practice. Oftentimes, you, I'm sure you've heard of a morning routine, and that might be journaling in the morning. That might be having your morning coffee in your favorite cup. Uh, that might be pulling uh, a spirit card from one of the spirit decks, for example. However you start your day, in the military, they often say, or at least what I've heard is, you know, the first thing you do is you make your bed. And oftentimes, when you make your bed, what that does is that structure, starting your day off with that structure can help us build that first win so that we can initiate momentum as we carry on our day. And so just simply having a routine, something that we do, especially in the morning to start our day that can help us build that momentum muscle that we can carry into our work, that we can carry into our relationships. And especially when the first thing that we do in the morning focuses on ourself, our own self-care, then as we enter into the outside world, we first have taken at least care of our basic and essential needs so that we can give more, at least from a from a more quality place to our family, to the world. And so there is though a difference between the ritual and the routine. And the biggest difference is with this one word, this one word called intentionality. And the intentionality component is really where we bring in meaning and purpose to the practice that we're doing. And what I want to do right now is just share very briefly one of the most powerful things that I've been incorporating in my life, especially in this time of transition, where now uh, Luca's six weeks old. I'm really tired, probably at uh, probably at basically all times a day. I'm I'm pretty fatigued, or at least just sleepy. Sleepy is, is the best word. And that comes with the territory. And when any of us are experiencing a lack of sleep, everything else, everything else is compromised, at least to some level. And so one of the things that I've realized is what I choose to do in the morning is even more important right now because providing for my family financially, uh, I want to provide emotionally or be there emotionally with Lauren. I want to be a present father. There's so many things that I want to do. I want to serve you at a high level. And so that really depends on how I care for myself and the first thing that I do. And so nearly every day I get in the sauna and that is my space. Now, if you don't have a sauna, no worries. Just take the, the theme of what I'm discussing and see what resonates for you and how you can employ some of these rituals into your life. And so the sauna for me, yes, there's heat, which 
for me is, is very nice. Like I love that space. It helps me downregulate, helps me drop into my body. But more than anything, it's a container. It is a space for me to go to disconnect from maybe the routines that I'm normally used to doing in my life. And when I get in there, it is sacred space. It is sacred container for me to go in and really focus on what do I need to do to put myself in a position to connect with my heart, to connect with my spirit, to connect with my physical body, to connect with my mind. And in one hour of my sauna practice, I basically have chosen the minimum effective dose of all the things that I've learned over the years that I know through experience, through repetition, through trial and error that really nourish me at a deep, deep soul level. And so while I'm not competing anymore and I'm not, let's say, the strongest I've ever been or the most physically fit I've ever been, in that sauna, I get in a few minutes. Usually each one of these things that I'm going to share, each one of these components is, is very short, like three to eight, 10 minutes max. And I get it all in in one hour. It's meditation with breath work. Then followed by that, I do an embodiment practice, which is really where I'll bring in the a lot of John Wineland's work, where I'll bring in a uh, a belief structure that I'm trying to bring and enact in my life, and I'll bring it through the body. So I'll actually hold a posture, oftentimes that's very uncomfortable. And while I'm struggling with that posture, I will bring in the thought, the energy, the feeling of remaining open in the discomfort of really, can I be with all the sensations? Can I energize this thing that I'm working on, this thing that I want to experience moving forward in my life? And can I invite that into the body and not collapse and not just uh, give into the discomfort? So it's my area to practice uh, a heightened level of a physical practice that can be uncomfortable and then connecting that with a new belief and doing this each day, even if it's only three to five minutes has been so powerful in rewiring, rewiring through daily practice. What, what I would just say, and I've heard John say this before, it's changing the state of presence into a trait of presence. And what that means is when we are present with ourselves, sometimes just in meditation, uh, we can be present for a few minutes. But what really changes something from a state of presence, of a state of staying open, receptive, aware of our internal environment, of our external environment, how we change the state of presence to the trait of presence, there's no shortcut. It's literally just the repetitive practice of that being in that state. And so in this embodiment practice, that is where I harness that. And that is where I practice that every single day. After that, I do a little warm up for the joints. Usually only takes a few minutes. Then I go into some physical training. I might bring in the Bulgarian bag, a kettlebell. It's nothing crazy, but doing so by this time when the sauna is hot is really in 10 minutes. Man, does it feel incredible. And all during this time, I will typically listen to a meditation in there. I will listen to an audio book and I'm really nourishing myself at a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and energetic level. Now, that's just a very brief synopsis of a ritual that I do each day. But once I do that, the important thing is when you're doing a ritual, whether it's long or short, at least in the context that I'm saying, is it should create more availability inside you. It should refill your inner resource so that you can handle the chaos or these times of transition. You've nourished yourself at a deep soul level so that when you give, the quality of 
how you give has been incrementally increased. And when we incorporate these rituals, not only are we bringing in intentionality to the routine, but we're bringing in a level of structure. And structure, in my experience, is so important, especially during times of transition, because during times of transition, we can feel like the the ground or the rug is being pulled out from underneath us, and it can feel very destabilizing. And so if we have some structure, something that we can anchor to, something that we can ground ourselves in, it can be so helpful. And when we do so first thing in the morning, we create that win. That is how we can build the momentum for the rest of the day. And so maybe it's not this hour long practice for you, but maybe it's three minutes of just journaling, just free writing, getting off of your chest, getting off of your heart, whatever you need to get off of three, five minutes of just writing. That can be so flipping powerful. And so the routine, this is one of the most practical things. And that's why I'm stressing it so much because it's been absolutely instrumental in me, in my business, in my relationship to Lauren, in my relationship to myself. How am I engaging with ritual and intentionality in my life? And especially in those times of difficulty, how am I bringing in meaning to the difficulty? Because if all we're experiencing is the shit and we haven't learned to connect and find the meaning attached to it, then it can be, in my experience, pretty destructive and much more challenging than, let's say, the transition needs to be. The fourth thing that I want to go into now, this is probably one of the most powerful allies that we have in life, and it is connecting to the natural world, connecting to the nature that is around us. Now, sometimes if you don't live in an area where there actually is some trees, trees, man, my dream is to actually bring my family to live legit in the trees, in the redwoods. That is, I'm calling it right now, that is one of my dreams. But until that point, I can drive somewhere or simply just going outside, leaving the phone on the table. This is actually something that is typically the first piece of homework for all of my clients when we work one-on-one together, when we're doing some of the, the mental emotional work to start off the coaching, walking is such an incredible way, especially when you leave your technology and then add this one piece that I'm going to share in a moment. Walking in nature is an incredible way in which we can process what's happening internally. Now, there's a difference between processing and dwelling. Now, when you go for a walk, if you leave your technology home, typically the minimum practice that I do is 20 minutes. Ideally, if it can be 45 minutes or longer, that's even better. But when we do that, we are leaving the phone at home. So we are disconnecting from the habitual patterns of distraction. We are getting outside, ideally with some sunlight, which is incredible for not just our energy, our vitality, but just connecting with the natural world. I mean, so much of today of what we do and how we interact with reality happens in front of a screen that's just a few inches from our face. And that's not how it's always been. As humans, we are not designed for that. I'm sure you'll agree with that. There's something that is inherently unnatural about spending so many hours in front of a plastic screen. I'm not saying it's not necessary. Okay, I'm not saying it doesn't have a use, but the technology is a tool. And when we spend too much time in front of technology and disconnected from the natural world, That is the fastest way in which we can lose the connection with our internal world. And so going outside for a 20 to 45 minute walk, technology free, and as we're walking and as you're working through whatever you're going through in this time of transition, in this time of difficulty, in this time of challenge, the invitation here is to be very present with yourself on when you are processing what is happening in your internal environment and when you are dwelling. 
Now, the differences between processing and dwelling to sum it up is when we're dwelling on something, it's as if the story has overtaken us. It's as if we are continually digging a deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper hole. For example, we just keep repeating in our head how someone screwed us over and what we think about them. And it's this downward spiral and there really isn't a processing that's happening. Processing actually brings into what I was discussing earlier about it involves interoception, that somatic awareness. As these thoughts are coming up, as we maybe are thinking about this challenge, whether it's a divorce, a change in profession, whether it's a business decision that needs to be made, whether it's a family challenge, as the thought comes up, as the emotions arise, can we almost step out of our body as well, tune into the sensations inside, but then also step out so that we can be the observer of what is actually happening inside and look at it almost from a little bit further of a distance because so many times in life, our problems seem, I'll just say it honest, and, and I'm susceptible to this absolutely, they're actually, we make them out to be so much bigger than they are. And they literally appear like they're butted up right in front of our face. And we are so engaged with it that we become the problem. We merge with the issue. We merge with the emotions. We become anger as opposed to anger being an experience that or something that we are experiencing. And so when we can create that distance, when we can have a little bit more perspective and look at it and process what's happening in the body, oh, when this comes up, I notice. When this happens, I notice. Oh, I've learned this. What can I learn from this? What can I discern from this? How has this shown up again? How is this pattern, this trigger showing up again? Where is there room for healing? When you can ask yourself questions about what is the experience that you're having, that is when you can start transitioning from dwelling in the story, dwelling in the shit, and starting to pull yourself out of it to gain more perspective. And when you add that movement component, when you add nature, especially if it can be in an area, for example, with trees, or you take your shoes off and you walk barefoot, then you can actually start digesting your experience also through movement because not only is nature being there to support you all through the natural elements, the air, the sun, the wind, the, the earth underneath your feet, but through the movement, what I've noticed is you can actually start digesting your experience through the physical body. And when you add that key component of processing versus dwelling, then by the time you get back, oh my gosh, have I experienced, and my clients have said this time and time again, is there so much more internal freedom? Is there so much more inner openness, availability? And over time, just like with the, with the principle of adding in and tapping into the power of ritual, maybe this is your ritual each day, leaving technology at home and just going for an uninterrupted walk. And you can even go with your dog. If you got an animal, take your dog. It's, it's one of the best forms of exercise. It's actually when you look at some of the healthiest people in the world, especially healthy into their older years, what is the one thing? What is the one exercise or activity that all of them do and all of them have in common or nearly all of them? And it's that they walk. It's In my opinion, walking is the best exercise that we can do. And we add this component. It can be so helpful in helping us navigate challenging transitions in life. Now, the last thing that I want to go into is community. Now, for the men, I'm going to just say this, brotherhood, absolutely critical. For the ladies, sisterhood, absolutely critical. 
but community in general, at any level, finding people that you can connect with at a heart level, at a soul level that can be there for you during times of challenge, that don't expect anything from you, that simply just want to be there with you and for you is invaluable. And the value of, for example, men's work, and I'm going to share men's work because this is where I have the most experience with, but I have a men's group that I'm a part of. Now, I lead a lot of men's work now. However, uh, I absolutely do have a men's work, that, a men's group that I meet with once a month. And for those three hours once a month, we support each other in the realm of we witness each other as we express, whether it's verbally or, or through the body, through embodiment practices. And we also offer feedback from each other. And it is so rare that we can enter into a space, into a container where we can be exactly who we are without all the masks. Now, it's so easy to wear masks. And I'm speaking from personal experience because we all do it. We all have masks that we wear in different relationships. And many times those masks have shown up out of necessity to help us survive in life. They've been a necessary component to how we've learned to navigate life. But oftentimes they can come with a great deal of hurt, shame, guilt, fear. And so when we can have safe spaces where we can be our authentic self and whatever that means to you, we can be exactly who we are and we can be witnessed in that. And we can see mirrored back to ourselves in the others around us, how we are so much more similar than we are different. What one person is going through may not be the exact story that we have, but the underlying fear, the underlying de desire, the underlying block, we can see ourselves in each other. And that is so, so healing. And when it is with a solid group of people, the feedback, and especially for the men, getting honest feedback is invaluable. And so who is the community that we have that people that don't necessarily want anything from us other than just to be there with us and navigating these challenges that can maybe hold us accountable in some way, shape or form that can just be someone we can talk to and we can externally process through the body or through our, our sound that can be invaluable. And so from what I've learned in these years, especially in the transitions that I've been going through in life from meeting Lauren and, and stepping into relationships. The last relationship I had was eight years prior to that. And so there was a lot of fear of transitioning and learning to trust being with a feminine partner and making that commitment to having Luca now. He's six, six weeks old, being a father, to starting this podcast, which has been incredibly scary for me to step into that, to transitioning from primarily movement-based coaching, which I still do, but transitioning more into men's work, which was so in line with what my heart has been calling me to do for so long. I know I've been going through so many transitions and sometimes life can happen so fast that it can be really challenging to take a step back or take a peace point or a pause point during the day to reflect on where we are now, where we've come from before, and what do we want to engage with in life moving forward. And that's why I really wanted to do this podcast was just as a check-in and also with the client work that I'm doing and if again, you're a human, there's no escaping it. We are all going to go through transition points in life and our ability to tune into our inner resource, to develop that inner strength, that inner warrior, to get very clear on what's important to us. What are the people in our life? What are the relationships in our life? What's the work that we love doing? When are we being in integrity and out of integrity with ourselves? That is absolutely critical. Now, I'm going to do a podcast in the future on integrity because it is 
one of the things that has become such a point of learning for me and a point of something that I do my best to uh, employ in life. And I've mentioned John Wineland before. He's, his, his work has been a great teacher of me. And I'm going to go into this definitely in, in a separate podcast, but just to seed it here, I love the way he describes integrity. And oftentimes with integrity, we just simply think of it as integrity of our word. Like if you've ever heard of the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, being impeccable with our word is one of the four agreements. It's a fantastic book if you haven't read it yet. But there's other forms of integrity as well. There's integrity of body and integrity of heart or soul. And so at a very brief level, integrity of the body is looking at our posture, our presence, our eye gaze, our breath, the physical structure integrity, when you see a building that is in integrity, it is more stable. It is more solid. And our body has a level of physical integrity in it that when we are in alignment with our body and our structure is more sound, more stable, we're more grounded, then we become more trustable to the world and we develop more self-trust. And again, we are more in integrity. And another word for integrity is just simply wholeness. And then the third area of integrity is integrity of our heart. And that is when we are acting in alignment or not in alignment with our heart's purpose, with our heart's truth. And for me, one of the things that I realized, and it was a very scary point of transition, was when I was doing primarily movement coaching, I got so much nourishment from that for so long, but it felt like something was missing. It felt like something, that form of coaching, spending all day helping people in the physical realm. For me personally, I just started feeling, and it was exactly parallel with my own journey. As I started learning more and experiencing more ceremony, more ritual, more introspective work, more connecting with everything that I'm sharing here, the emotional intelligence component, the somatic awareness, the rituals, connecting with nature, I started realizing, holy shit, we are so much more than our physical body. And so much of this life is meant to be lived outside for me of, of just simply the gym. And now stepping into this, this transition of doing more heart-centered work, what I realized is if I would have stayed as a movement coach and that would have been all I would have focused on, I would not be acting in integrity with my heart's truth. And so it was my way of checking myself and really following my heart and what my soul was calling for. So I only see that now because I absolutely want to do a longer podcast on that. But I hope you've gotten some sense of value from today's discussion. If you're going through a challenging point, a challenging transition, a change process, just remember nothing lasts forever. This too shall pass. Just simply that can be incredibly helpful and valuable to navigating these things with greater great needs. I'm wishing you a beautiful rest of your day. I hope you get to spend it with friends, with family, doing something that you love doing and even taking just a few minutes for yourself to build that momentum for the rest of your day. Wishing you all the best. If you got something of value out of today's show, please do remember to subscribe on whether it's Apple or Spotify, leave a review that is always very helpful. And if there's something that you would love to hear or a topic or a guest, I am always, always, always open to hearing your feedback. And it really provides me authentic inspiration for what's next and, and what content you really want to hear and want to see. So wishing you all the best. Much love, everybody. Peace. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path. And I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours. 